Welcome to Reaching the Summit on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio in the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Reaching the Summit is presented by Pinnacle Custom Signs. Get a more elevated look with your business signage. Visit PinnacleCustomSigns.com. I'm Don Conklin, and along with my wife, Teresa, every month on Reaching the Summit, you'll meet successful business leaders who have climbed the mountain and reached the summit in their profession. We will talk to them about their journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons and insights they have learned along the way. Today we have two guests. Our first guest is Maureen Coronoa. She is with the Gwinnett, the Home of Hope at Gwinnett Shelter. She is up in uh, northern Gwinnett County. And we also have Dave Vesey with the P4 Foundation. Thank you both for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me as well. So I, I think let's let's start off with um, a basic description of what your business is. So, Dave, if you want to go ahead and start, tell us what P4 Foundation is, how it was started, and what your what your vision in life is for P4 Foundation. Sure. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for having us this morning and allowing us to share our story and what we do and how we help the community. Um, the P4 Foundation was founded in 2014 when our my wife and I, uh, Tony Ann. Uh, our 16-year-old son was diagnosed with an incurable cancer, uh, CML, which is normally found in adults over the age of 16, um, over the age of 60, sorry. And he was 16 years old at the time, so it was very rare. Um, at the time, to make a long story short, when we were in the hospital, Gino um, saw other children and um, seen that there weren't as much support system around them that he had. He had his, his parents, us, he had his sister, his grandparents, uh, his student body of the kids that he played uh, baseball with at Bill Creek High School. It just everybody in general, the community was around him supporting him. And he saw there was other kids that didn't have that. And he wanted to help. Um, you know, during that journey of a month in the hospital and, and during that period, he decided he wanted to do something to help other people. And that's when um, we had started the P4 Foundation. And uh, the P4 Foundation, what we do is we work directly with children and families that have been impacted by childhood cancer. And we provide support hope, faithful encouragement, as well as tips on health and wellness. Um, the key thing that Gina wanted to make sure that we did um, was if we started something and we help people, the whole thing was, you know, there's a whole support system financially, emotionally, and mentally when you're going through any kind of challenge. And I, I think that, you know, as a young adult at the time when he was diagnosed and understood this, um, he made me and my wife realize that, um, you know, we raised a pretty good young man already at 16 and that wanted to help others in his life and during this battle. I think it was part of his his healing was to, to give back and do for others. And we've been doing it now for almost six years. And um, we love helping the, you know, the other kids in the community that are battling cancer and their families and getting the chance to meet them. But the most important thing is that our organization is based upon support. Um, and again, you never know what you're going to need in, in any day and time when they're, when children or, or families are going through this. So the P4 Foundation was, the, the name P4, what does that mean? Um, P4 stands for pray for. One of the things that Gino wanted to do is make sure he's very faithful, he's very spiritual, and he wanted to make sure no matter, regardless of the religion or the belief, that we pray for healing and a cure for those children. 
And that has helped us as parents get through it. Number one, most importantly, running the organization, it gives us that, that feeling of giving back to the community and being able to give back to people that are in need. And, and that's what we do at the P4 Foundation is basically look for what those needs are of those families and give that support. Like you said, we always give the financial support, but the emotional and mental support that we can give and resources available to them is, you know, something that, you know, money can't buy. Um, but we, we continue to grow as a, as a foundation, as a community. And um, it's sad that we're growing because that means more and more kids are, are getting cancer around us. And, and that's not a good thing, but, and that's where we, we tap into the health and wellness side of it is trying to um, prevent. And that, that starts at any age. And again, you're never too old to prevent or, or take care of yourself to hopefully avoid um, some type of uh, illness, if you will. Uh, I hope I've touched a little bit on who we are and what we do. Yeah, you did, Dave, and it, it's it's a remarkable uh, journey. Uh, it's fun watching uh, how you guys have changed. Um, I'm gonna introduce Maureen. Um, Maureen, can you tell us a little bit about Home of Hope and um, what you do and who you serve and, and why you're serving them? Sure, uh, so I'm Maureen Cornoa, Executive Director at Home of Hope Equinet Children's Shelter. We're located out in Buford. We are addressing the huge homeless issue in Gwinnett County and the metro Atlanta area. We're a transitional living facility for homeless children from birth to 17 with their young moms. Um, the idea is to take our families from uh, sleeping in their cars and living in extended stay hotels, keep the family unit together and teach mom to fish. Uh, give her the uh, vehicle, if you will, to get out of and break the cycle of homelessness. So we call it a multi-generational approach to uh, addressing the huge homeless issue in the metro Atlanta area. And that helps the children helps to the learn children. how to mm -hmm. be independent? Right. So one of the things we do, first and foremost, is our kids have one job to do when a family gets accepted into our program, and they are free to be children. They do not need adult issues on the sh shoulders uh, worrying about homelessness. Um, and I'll give you an example. We had a mom uh, sleeping in her car, living out here in North Gwinnett County, going to schools. The, the child was in third grade, so it was eight or nine years old. And uh, when your mom's sleeping in her car, um, he's not allowed to tell anyone at school because she says the police will take you away from me and she doesn't do it to be mean she does it because she's terrified of losing him and he's terrified of losing her and there's two littles younger than he in the car and so when you think about that you know uh, that child's getting picked on at the lunch table for wearing the same shirt three times that week because mom can't do laundry till right. Saturday I mean it's horrible so um, when our kids come into the program we see a little shyness at first little you know careful trepidation looking out from behind mom and then in three days usually they de-escalate they know that they're safe they're loved they don't we don't talk about adult issues they arts and crafts get out and play be free to be kids and we watch them just blossom when they when they come mom is held on a high accountability program that is designed to take her from homeless to feeling more hopeful and then ultimately to independence and we do that by providing all the wraparound services for her while she's uh, living and working our program Maureen that's great I, I've been to your campus up there it's a f fabulous ca uh, campus up there um, you know in the current situation with uh, the pandemic and everything else going on how is Home of Hope held, held on during the, uh, this, this time when we're all 
used to be sheltered in place and mm-hmm. with your with your family up there mm-hmm. that's a great question so when this all came down i had a lot of the staff that was uh, a lot everybody had questions how are we going to do this what does it look like well um fortunately we have 45 acre campus uh one of our houses we had three families graduate out move into their apartments so it was kind of serendipitous the way it worked out if that's the right word we were able to keep the empty house clean it and save it for a quarantine should we have a test positive case we reduced our capacity from 20 families at a time down to 15 leaving house two available should someone get sick and need to be quarantined Um, closing was never an option for us because we'd have had 12 15 families who would be homeless again with nowhere to go and those beautiful children it just wasn't even an option so um the staff was literally almost cut uh in half we were down to seven and we operate 24 hours a day 365 days a year um there were those that took the uh leave shelter in place at home and the rest of us on campus said well we'll just everybody learn to cook transport do whatever had to be done um and that's how we did it we also as we brought in new families we quarantined those families in house one for 14 days before they came down to the main building we call the general population where everybody we know has sheltered in place and stayed put so it really worked out really well and knock wood and thank god uh, so far so good it's different now that the ban's been lifted because now our residents are coming and going. So it's hand washing stations, masks, gloves if they wish to wear them. But in common areas, everyone wears masks. You know, us in the business community have been dealing with this for a couple of months now. And, you know, we always think about how we deal with our customers. But, you know, for a nonprofit and a resident organization like you have, it's also very tough. And mm-hmm. I find it amazing that you actually were able to place three people, three families. Mm-hmm through the entire crisis that's you know hats off to you and things like that that's great yeah they were ready to go i will tell you this what we're going to see uh which has already started um uh people who have never been homeless before in this situation before and i'll give you an example a very very large well-known real estate company uh has an employee who became an agent last fall um she uh didn't make enough to you know barely made it through and then january february she had three or four deals in the pipeline they fell apart with covid couldn't pay her rent and there she is a single mom with a 10 year old she's been on our campus serving for days of service i'll say and she's now a resident in our program to get back on her feet so i think as this plays out we're going to see more and more people whose companies couldn't reopen and you know people who are willing to work that uh, their world has fallen apart and we will be there to get them back on their feet. Dave, could you tell us a little bit about the support uh, with the coronavirus uh, situation, the pandemic, uh, how that's impacted you guys as well? Absolutely. So, um, you know, what, one, of the, one of the hardest thing is, um, you know, we're not able to do events that we normally do on a yearly basis to generate the income to support these families and, and, and the foundation. So, but, you know, we still have the generosity of a lot of people in our community that are still you know, donating to the organization and supporting us. But most importantly, you know, we're finding it, and just like Maureen said, you know, this pandemic has changed things dramatically. Not only the challenges that normally families deal with in, in whether it be the situation of the homelessness or a child dealing with cancer. Um, when, when, someone's, when a child's diagnosed with cancer, either mom or dad need to be the caregiver. Someone needs to be home. So someone's leaving a job potentially or a loss of income. 
Well, in the case that we're finding, we have several families right now that not only has mom stopped working and become the caregiver of the child over the last you know six to seven months, but now dad has lost their job as well. And you know, it we're trying to support them as a family financially wherever we can. Obviously, um, you know, we're not really concerned right now that we used to be for more on medical bills and different things like that. What we're trying to do now is just to try to get the support to the family so mom and dad can pay the rent or the mortgage, make sure they're getting the right, um, you know, drugs for the child that is needed, whether it be chemotherapy or ongoing, plus the siblings. Um, the siblings, they need food, they need different things. So we're, we've kind of expanded our focus, if you will, during the pandemic that we normally focus on. And we're there more for the family as a whole and finding out what their, their individual needs are. And every family has been affected by this differently. And one of the hardest things that, that we're finding is, you know, parents are very nervous and scared because of their child's, you know, distressed immune system. They are the target of this whole thing. And we, we have tried to give them everything they, that we could to give them to be safe, to be healthy, be strong, but they still have to go out. They need to get to the hospital. They need to go for treatment. They need to see the doctors. And these parents are scared. So, um, and, and, I, and, and we deal with the same thing. We haven't left, I mean, uh, you know, Gino being, even though he's 21 years old and he knows, and he hasn't been out, he hasn't done those things. He had to quit his job, for, well, not quit his job, but he had to take a leave of absence of his job um, because of that. So I can't imagine having a four-year-old or a three-year-old that, you know, is really, you know, touches their face all the time, putting their fingers in their mouth and they're dealing with this situation. So it's education. It's a lot of things. We have changed as an organization, like I said, and maybe repeating myself, We've changed a lot of our procedures. We've changed a lot of our, our efforts, if you will, during this pandemic. So it's new to us. It's new to all of us. We, this, is, this is crazy. Obviously, it's unprecedented times, but this is all new. None of us know what's right and what's wrong to do. And I'm sure Maureen's dealing with it as well in their campus, like you said. And you're trying to keep people you know, safe. You're trying to do the, good, the right things, and you're hoping everybody's following the rules. Right. And well, Dave. That's one the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just like your organization, um, uh, we don't have any government funding either. So we rely right. heavily on the um, general public, our donors, such as Pinnacle Custom Signs. Uh, so the great people who help support us, grants and foundations. Well, right now, you know, donor development is really key in the nonprofit world um, because corporations that used to give because it was a socially responsible thing to do has sh have shifted their philanthropy dollars to their marketing budgets from their lips to my ears. So it's a strategic... Uh, move on their part, which I understand. However, when you rely on the public for almost a third of your annual budget and the tar uh, stock market's in the toilet and people don't know what's going to happen the next few months and there are people who normally give are pulling back, um, I've got to look at next year's one point, almost $1.2 million budget and say, my gosh, you know, how are we going to do this? We have to shift our thinking too. And it's, it, it, it's terrifying. The only saving grace is that the Lord's got us in the palm of his hand and we're all in this together and we'll figure it out. Absolutely. No, you're, you're right. I mean, again, you're, you're so right. We, we, we're the, we're the same boat. Actually, you know, our budget is not as high as yours um, because we're not providing the housing and different things that, like that. But um, you know, there are needs. There's needs every day. We don't know when families are going to co contact us that their child was diagnosed mm -hmm. with cancer. So again, there's no planning sometimes. But our, you know, the overall sense of what I'm seeing, I, I'm noticing people that didn't give before are giving, and some of them are giving mm -hmm. larger than they did before. And and as you mentioned, with Pinnacle Signs and 
the whole Conklin and uh, there, there are three generations along the support that we've had since mm -hmm. we started this organization. Um, you know, you know, Teresa's parents to Teresa and Don and their children have been helping and supporting us. Um, you know, just every little bit, like you said, I've always rather, I've always see to take a dollar from a hundred people than a hundred from one, right. um, because if that ever stops, we're in trouble. Right. And I've always kept that with the organization as well. You know, give as little as you possibly can. It adds up. And um, sometimes, you know, even in your, in your situation, you know, grants and different things like that processes are getting harder. People aren't in the offices to process these grants and these requests. So this is going to change us as well as nonprofits. Um, and I'm, I don't worry. I don't know if you're dealing with that yet as well, but um, you know, some of these the processes of putting applications in to get these grants or funds, people aren't working and they're not processing them. That's and very true. It's going to take longer. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the, we're in unprecedented times and we, we need to make changes, but most of all, like you said, if you have faith and it's all going to work out, we're in it together and it's all, it's all going to happen. And we're going to be able to help the families that we continue to support, I believe. And I agree with you, Dave. I mean, um, Teresa uh, thinks I'm a little bit too uh, Pollyanna. You know, if you look at the, um, absolutely one of the Pooh characters, I, I'm Tigger. <laughs> I have Tigger all over my office because I bounce all over the place and I am very optimistic about things. Um, and I do think it's going to come roaring back. And I think that, a lot of the fundraisers you guys have had to put on hold, and Maureen, I think about your big fundraiser that you know for the you know, thank Lord that it happened before it happened, right? Right before the barbecue the, festival, the barbecue right the week before, before the shutdown, right? Or two weeks before. So, and I know that they're, they're going to come back, and there's going to be people that have to give. I understand there's going to be a smaller pool because of the unemployment, and everything else, and like that. But you know, we've got to be planning for the future and how we raise funds for the nonprofits in the organization. Uh, Dave, tell us a little bit about your big fundraisers and what your next big things coming up are from a fundraising standpoint. Sure. So every year we do an annual home run derby, which we um, usually host at Gwinnett uh, at Cool Ray Field with the Gwinnett Stripers um, play. Um, that was in the, that's actually our it would be our fifth annual, which got canceled in March. Um, that's a, an event that we usually raise anywhere from ten to twenty thousand um, dollars. You know, somewhere in that ballpark, which was um, you know put on hold and. We don't know if we're going to be able to actually have it this year due to the fact that the participants are the kids within that played baseball in the Gwinnett County school system. So those kids aren't going to be participating. We're not going to be able to do it. We don't think this year, because when you start getting past the summer, uh, they're, they're going to play some travel sports, different things like that. So they're not going to be available and they're going to be training for their next upcoming season, or they've already left for college. Dave, so, what, what is that Derby? Tell me what it is, what you do. Sure. So what we so what we do is um, it's a fundraiser where we have um, participants come in and get to do a home run derby. So what we do is we they get ten pitches and they try to hit the baseball out of the park. For every home run that they hit, um, we give back uh, ten percent of all of our proceeds back to Make a Wish, uh, Georgia. Make a Wish Georgia is a partner of ours. It was something that they were there for our son, and that was something that he wanted to always give back to. So our home run derby is based on giving back to. Um, to um, you know other organizations but the home run derby basically is people coming in participating hitting home runs generating a lot of fun in the in the community bringing the community together and but most importantly we bring our p4 kids out so people get to see and hear their stories to know who we are and what we do in the community that's what that home run derby is more about is getting the community out to see who we are and what we do and to support those kids i hope i answered your question you did we have a lot to talk about. I'm going to call you when the show is over. Oh, awesome. Great. <laughs> um, 
And then we do a casino night, which is um, an annual event. That's this would have been our third year. Um, it, we were scheduled for in October. We're not sure yet if it's going to happen. I, I really doubt it. Um, obviously, I think all events this year may be um, put on hold. But um, this year, the event that we are going to be hosting is our Pinnacle um, Custom Sign uh, Golf Tournament. It's our seventh annual golf tournament that we're that. putting on. Pinnacle Sign, uh, Pinnacle Custom Sign is our our lead sponsor. It's basically. Um, <laughs> an event that we do at Lake Lanier, we usually get between 120 to 144 golfers. Um, we raise anywhere from 15 to $30,000 at our golf events. Um, this year, we're, we're hoping to have it again in September. We have a, we have a date tentative right now at Lake Lanier. Um, we're going to update our website um, for that event. We're hoping it's going to be um, even larger because people are finally going to be able to get out and have some fun. And, um, you know, I, I think we, we have to kind of see how things go over the next couple of months, Don, to answer your question. We're just not sure when that next event's gonna be. I gotta be honest with you. We're kinda, just our board has uh, been communicating and talking about it. But we most importantly, we gotta be so careful because bringing the kids out, um, we just have to be so, so cautious. Yeah. And again, without bringing the kids, it kinda, you know, it, it dilutes what we're trying to do. I, I agree with you. Event. Yeah, we had a um, event um, for our team and brought one of your one of your kids out and it is powerful oh, message awesome. right and you know it's, it's interesting because when we were setting up this meeting and i was we were asking maureen and dave to come and dave says can i do it by a zoom and i'm thinking to myself you know the state the stay at home order is lifted and all of a sudden as i was saying that i'm like she knows at home yeah i'm sure he hasn't left the house in 45 days and so i, I guess the question i've got also dave is have your kids been able to get the care that they need even with the hospitals really going full bore on the on the COVID thing, yes, um, we are. You know, being down at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, Choa, whether it be at Angleson or Scottish Rite, they're unbelievable staff. They, these people are incredible, and they've been serving all the families. We haven't had one family yet that has said that they haven't had the opportunity to see their doctor or get their care that they've needed. Um, but also, you know, we're keeping in contact with our families to make sure if there's anything that they need whether it be, you know, gas cards, different things like that, or whatever they may need to make sure that they're getting down there or, you know, transportation, setting up transportation for them to get there. But everybody has seemed to be able to get their, um, their treatments and everything during this time. The hospitals have been great. They're not going to your to the general hospitals, most of these kids are going to the children's health care. So it's a, it's a little bit different um, environment there. And yes. then when you go to, you know, these, these other, like North Georgia or Gwinnett Medical or uh, Emory. Yeah, they're probably more geared towards filling those needs a little better. Yeah, and plus, you know, one of the things with the kids are allowing parents to go with them, you know, at least one parent. You know, these kids, God forbid, if they weren't able to have at least a parent with them or a caregiver. You know, yeah. these adults going to the hospital, they don't have anyone. Yeah. And that, that's sad enough, but I can't imagine a child having to go through something without a, without a parent or a caregiver. Dave, I, I've got to talk to you after. I'll just tell you, I've walked your journey. I have a daughter who's now 28, got diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer at 16. I've done the Scottish Rite. We've done Make-A-Wish, two years of chemo and surgeries. And I've been on your journey. And so, gosh, we have so much to talk about. Wow, I'm, I'm looking so forward to it. I mean, I'm not looking forward to that. We have the same story, but I'm looking forward to speaking with you and see how we could uh, potentially um, yeah. maybe do some things together. And she was a leader, took her diagnosis and, you know, took got at the forefront and, you know, used it to lead and inspire other kids. It's just amazing. So I think I God it. makes no mistakes putting us together on the show today, too. So I think when Absolutely. great people come together doing great God's good work, great things happen. 
So hey, listen, when you, you know when it, when you talk about faith, I, I got to tell you, Donna Teresa and their family, you know, are the pinnacle of that, right. and you use pinnacle size. Right. So you know, it's <laughs> yes. funny because I, I met the, the funny thing is I met them through their parents, uh, through um, Teresa's parents at the church. Um, you know, I, I was. Um, volunteering in the kitchen doing some work with with some some things that we had at the church going on and i got the the, the chance to meet um teresa's parents roseanne and joe and they wanted up supporting my son immediately once they heard his story and what we were doing they were incredible but faith brought us together yeah it was the yes. church that made it happen and it's mm-hmm. kind of grown since there like you just said well we actually it was independent because we met dave through business and yeah. then they met my parents doing something at church and we were talking one day and my parents were telling me about this charity and i said i know him <laughs> so it, it was really funny how it worked out so it, it works out real well it's interesting that dave's last name is vizi and Teresa's maiden name is de benedetto so they have a lot of, in common from a food standpoint so hey dave there's there is one cool story about uh, yours and gino's uh, journey when you uh went went overseas and met someone can you can you share that with us sure so real quick when gino when when, when make a wish came to gino um you know they had said, listen, we want you to think of three things possible you could do, whether it be a place, a person, or someone you'd want to meet. What is it that you want to do? So Gino was a baseball player. He loved baseball. Um, Gino was ranked in the, in the nation, actually, as a sophomore baseball player at Mill Creek. And um, he wanted to participate in some upper events. And cancer took that away from him. But Gino did not allow that to dictate his life, obviously. But he took baseball and has built what we have today. So we all thought, well, listen, he loves the Yankees. He loves Derek Jeter. He's going to want to meet Derek Jeter. And my daughter at the time, she was sitting there. She goes, great. Now we're going to have to meet stupid Derek Jeter. You know, she was young. She didn't (laughs) want to see Derek Jeter. She could care less, right? So he was in the dining room. He was speaking to the two volunteers, and they were going through everything. And, you know, we were sitting in 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 the living area. But we could hear him. And he said to the woman, my first option is, I would love to meet Pope Francis. I would love to meet Pope Francis so I can get a blessing to cure myself and to help other kids with cancer. And I got to be honest with you guys, I lost it. I, I really did. I started crying. I didn't realize that what we what we had. I never thought that of him. I never thought that he was that spiritual. And his second thing was to go to Fiji to see this you know this island. He wanted to go into the water. It was something you know whatever it was. And his third thing was to play catch with Derek Jeter. Well, I got to be honest with you. This was. It was like a three-week period went by, and I, my wife and I said, "There's no way we're going to meet the Pope." And the funny thing was, Pope Francis was coming to Philadelphia, so we got a call. It was about three weeks later. We got a call from Make a Wish, and they said, um, "Mr. Vizzy, this is so and so at Make a Wish. Um, do you guys have passports?" And I'm like, um, "Yeah, but we do need passports to go to Philadelphia. You know, if we're going to see the Pope." I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot that. She goes, um, "We we." We've been working on Gino's wish to meet the to meet Pope Francis. Do you have do you have passports? And I said, Well, what do we need passports to go to Philadelphia? And they go, No, no, you're going to the Vatican. Mm. We've already set it up. Gino's going to meet Pope Francis at the Vatican. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, I everything was I lost everything inside me. I was so happy. It was like this is a God thing. This is incredible. So, about two weeks of a process went on. And uh, they came and they surprised Gino to let him know that we were going to go to Italy. We're going to be there for a week. We're going to be able to meet Pope Francis and that Gino would be part of a special mass that Pope Francis was hosting that day. And Gino and my wife um, were able to be in a special audience to um, 
to meet Pope Francis. But the most important thing that was incredible was during this process, Gino asked the people from Make a Wish, he said, can I ask you a question? Can we bring one more person with us? And Gino's like, they're like, well, your family's already coming. He goes, no, I'd like to invite my priest, Father Eric from Prince of Peace, because oh, he makes gosh. me love church and he has given me what I, where I am today. And they were fine with it, but they weren't going to pay. So we paid as a family for him. <laughs> we, we didn't care. But Father Eric paid his own transportation, but we were doing whatever we could do. But we had the best time and he was able to attend with us. Um, and Gino got to be in that special audience. It was maybe a hundred people that Pope Francis was there to give the blessing to. And Gino got everything that he wanted and he did get a blessing because you know what? He has an incurable cancer, but he's still with us mm -hmm. today and he's still doing the things that he has to do. So I believe that it, it made the whole difference in the world. That is and, an amazing uh, he's a world changer. Story. Amazing, amazing story. These kids are fun. amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the reasons why a percentage of all of our proceeds go back to Make-A-Wish. Judge Gino is mm -hmm. part of his give back program. And that's mm -hmm. something that we're structuring as an organization this year about um, more of a more back to make a wish, more to St. Jude's mm -hmm. for research and, and then you know, percentages to our kids and family. So it's been incredible. And again, like I said to you, without the families like the Deep Benedettos and the Conklins and the Pinnacle Signs and the people in our community, they have made us who we are. Um, and we have touched so many families. We have served, and this it may not sound like a lot, we've served over 80 families already in Gwinnett County. And, and, and that's not counting was outside of Gwinnett County, people in Florida, California children, people throughout the country, but just in Gwinnett County. So you probably know someone that's been affected. You don't even realize it or your kids don't realize it. And um, it's, it's really neat. Like you said, look at your daughter. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've been involved with it. And it's, just, it's a very small yep. world, but it's really not. Yep. It, she was also, Dave, she was also at Mill Creek. We also wow. did our treatment at Scottish Rite. We also did make a wish and she sponsored had a fundraiser to pay her wish forward and raised enough money for uh four more kids to have wishes and she sponsored those and then is now a wish volunteer and goes into homes and grants wishes for children and she too has an incurable cancer and by the grace of god so 12 years later we're here this i'm telling crazy. you we gotta talk we gotta talk later <laughs> Well, this is so, awesome. Mm -hmm. Maureen, since we keep talking about kids, why don't you tell us about some of your kids and also what makes your program a little different? Yeah, so what makes our program at Home of Hope different is that um, we live communally. Like each family has their own room with their own private bathroom, but it's common living areas, uh, game room, playroom, cafeteria. So we get to see our families. We step into their daily lives. Um, so the kids... Um, First and foremost, we try and make uh, make it so they don't know they're in a shelter. I will tell you, around the holidays, we had a group of fourth, fifth grade girls came in one afternoon, and uh, our director of operations was down the hall, and they were all a couple weeks before Christmas, chitter-chattering, all excited, and I heard Renita talking to them and laughing, and after their conversation, I said, what was that all about? And you know, the girls were telling her that they had learned that there were homeless people and that they needed shirts and shampoo and soap and things that homeless people needed and they were collecting them from school to donate to a place. And so Renita was laughing and said, okay, we'll get you some stuff to take with you. And they were, had no clue so that they no lived at the shelter. No different. No, um, so that kind of makes us unique in that we get to step into their daily lives and make their stay with us special. We have them for such a short time, up to a year, such a short time, mm -hmm. but we know that we, that we touch their lives forever by the notes and cards we get. So the hardest thing is watching the kids leave and cry when they have to go because they love being with us. So, Do they ever come back? 
uh, families come back, moms come back and visit. Uh, not as many as I would like, but we invite them back for holidays, uh, parties, and adopt them back for Christmas as long as they need. Oh, that's nice. You know, yeah. So, Maureen, tell us a little bit about some of your fundraisers. I know you do some annual things, so yeah, and they're a lot of fun. So a lot of fun. So um, one of the biggest ones we have every year, and all of my events are also sponsored by Pinnacle Custom Sign, uh, is the Sip and Swine Barbecue Festival held the first weekend in March every year at Cool Ray Field. Um, it is a KCBS Kansas City Barbecue Society Pitmaster sanctioned cook-off event. Uh, we see between 10 and 13,000 people this year. They were saying there were 15, closer to 15,000. Uh, and we held it the first weekend in March. So if you can imagine, we got in right before the um, craziness started. Then we do a diamonds event every year, diamonds and disco, diamonds and dancing, usually at Chateau Alain. Uh That's looking different for us this year because, you know, obvious reasons um and this year for the first time we are having a golf tournament the Buford North Gwinnett Kiwanis are doing their golf tournament to benefit Home of Hope okay. also at Lake Lanier Islands in September 9th by the way if you're looking for your date we're already there Dave <laughs> <laughs> and um so we're doing that this year and then I'm um, doing a fashion show and luncheon at the 1818 club and we'll have our moms and kids walk and invite oh, how high cool school is that for them yeah uh, we're going to partner with a boutique out of Winder to do fall clothes and things like that. Well, that sounds like come. a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, and a character breakfast. We're going to do that. So, I'll, I'll be available. October. I'll be available. Yeah, for a character. Yeah. <laughs> he can be Tigger. I'll be my Tigger. Oh, there you go. You know, you know um, it's interesting, both yours and Dave's journey, Maureen. And, you know, the, the, the whole purpose of this radio show is reaching the summit business leaders right and you know you lead charities but you're also business leaders and we always talk about I advise a lot of new businesses and Teresa will tell you she's cringes when I say this but I always tell people oh, what's he gonna say <laughs> your first two years will be two years of hell and I say I really don't care whether you think you're gonna be successful or not but in two years you have to establish yourself establish your brand establish your funding and establish who you are and there's going to be sleepless nights there's going to be a lot of times where you think to yourself what the heck did we do here um we never had any of those did we Teresa? Yeah. we had plenty <laughs> okay not, not only me Teresa, we also had our family in the business so it's like we had a couple of um of uh, cortez moments where we burned the ships and it was like we're going to succeed or not succeed right um but you know both you and Dave ha have had that challenge. I know uh, you came into a new situation that was you turned around. But Dave, talk to us about how you started P4 and the challenges that you overcame and in, in, in the business acumen that you used to be able to overcome those to build a successful organization at a P4. Okay, well, it w you know, it's funny. You know, you get to choose sometimes what you do, right? You get to decide where you want to work, what you want to do this wasn't a choice this was this was like a, a calling it was something i had to do because it was something my son wanted and he had asked me to help him do it so i'm going to take you back a while so back in the late 80s early 90s i worked in a nonprofit organization i was a vp of operations for a financial service organization that was a nonprofit, 501c3 i gotta be honest with you I hated this job. I, I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like to go to work. It was one of those things I didn't enjoy just because of the stress. I gotta be honest with you. It was a stressful job. It was very tough. Um, but I did it for five years. I was under contract. I had to stay there. 
But what it did was it gave me all the tools I needed to understand nonprofits, 501c3s, the laws, the rules, and all the things you had to do to set it up, to run it, to operate it, to keep it going, to be um, within the guidelines of the IRS. So back in 93 or 94, I, I no longer did that. And I stayed in the financial service industry, but then when Gino got diagnosed, he said, Dad, I want to start a nonprofit. I want to start something to help other kids. Remember, I was telling you guys this. So I was like, all right, well, this is my out now. This is my way of dealing with my son's cancer. There's no baseball no more. That's where my life was, right? I loved watching my son play. I always thought he was going to play college ball, play professionally. So that was taken away from me, which was selfish in my mind, right? But it was my way of dealing with my son's cancer and hoping that he's going to be with us for as long as he possibly can. So the foundation actually got me kicking the butt to get going, to get off of my, you know, feeling bad for myself and my son and everything else. Well, I got to focus on this organization to help others. So with that knowledge I had from the nonprofit, I was able to bring that to P4. I was able to call the attorney from the nonprofit that I knew from years ago. He was able to help me to get to 501c3 approved. I have a good friend of mine that was a 501c3 accountant. Um, we came together as a team, filed everything with the IRS. We were approved in, in, in like record time. I think it was like three months we were approved for our 501c3. We got it done. Um, we, were, we were up and running immediately because Gina was diagnosed in September. November, we were already approved and we were running as an organization. Wow. So I had that, God had planned this out for me. Whatever there, you know, you don't want to say that, you know, there's, you're, you have a path, but my path was paved for me. And it was paved in a way that I had to do this. And it was, it was my calling. Most importantly, I had a job that I was able to take the time and do the things for these kids and focus on P4 and yet keep a business going and take care of my family. So I've been blessed to be able to do that. and blessed to be able to meet people in the community that have supported us to know that we are doing the right thing. And Maureen, you, you know that as well as I do. When you hear people tell you what a great job you're doing and how you've impacted others and that they want to support you, it makes you just want to grow even more. It makes you want to get out there and do more for people and others. So that's incredible. And one thing, Maureen, just so you know, you didn't take my date because I just looked at the brochure. We're set for August 30th. So we're the week before you. Oh, there you go. <laughs> are you guys at Lake Lanier as well? Yes. Uh-huh. I'll be spending okay, a lot. I'll be spending a lot of time on the links at Lake Lanier <laughs> or yeah. in the water. Uh, yeah. you're gonna bring a lot of balls there, Don. Well, you, know, you may hit a lot of water shots. Well, you know how you have a lower score, don't you? Well, you bring a pencil. You, you bring no, a pencil, you play racer. No, you play less holes. It's oh, an easier okay. way of doing it. So, now Maureen, I know you had a different challenge because you came into a situation where it was the Gwinnett's Children's Shelter that was funded by the county and mm -hmm. then the you state. turned that around so tell mm -hmm. us about that so uh going back i've been uh there on campus now for six years this past april and i was brought yeah i was brought on board as uh the new executive director at gwinnett children's shelter all those for almost 25 years the year i got there gwinnett children's shelter was a state contracted facility but not a state-owned facility and that contract had morphed into over the years where the children's shelter housed uh, teenagers by state contract that came to us through DFACS and DJJ. I, I knew nothing about all of that. I was running another nonprofit doing God's good work, minding my own business, and apparently God has a sense of humor, and somehow they brought me over there to tour and talk. They needed to go in another direction, and they weren't sure what that was. And by the time we finished touring and talking with the uh, um, board, um, I shared an idea that I had saving families out of homelessness, uh, um, 
that talk was over and um, by the time that ended they were offering me a job and I uh, this is a quote uh, it was my response oh no not me that would be too big for me I wouldn't know how I wouldn't and he said well it sounds like you need to go pray about it and I drove back up Togo Road uh, and cried back to my office at the North Gwinnett Cooperative Ministries where I was their executive director doing great stuff and uh, I was crying because I knew I had just been called to take on something huge and terrifying. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew the vision I had was clear. The journey and the path was not. Um, and uh, I, there I, I couldn't say no, and there I was, and um, here we are six years later. I will tell you, uh, I was handed a failing business that was also on fire. <laughs> and uh, we were able to remarket, rebrand, re uh, rehire staff from within, turn the whole thing around, put new sails on that ship and go in a new direction. And um, I was fearful, but yet faithful. And I will tell you many a night I laid there not sleeping, tears coming down, and I would like lord you did not bring me here to forsake me now i knew it just would lay there at night tears coming out and all i would get was just teach him to fish because that was the idea teach mom to fish keep that family unit together and teach mom to fish i would just keep getting just teach him to fish and i knew the rest would come and it was not easy those first couple years i can't tell you i'm standing up into a guest speaker in front of 150 people and taking questions and eight different hands getting up what makes you think you can do that why are you doing I mean it was tough there were it was it was a tough two years how was I going to get funding severing ties with the state how do you think you're going to raise this money and <laughs> a lot of times it was you know I got a lot of faith so I, I don't know well I think you also had what a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs have with their businesses is a vision and that vision since you said it was very clear to you mm -hmm. I think helped guide you to make the right decisions mm -hmm. to do what you needed to do vision and passion and I hear that in Dave's voice as well um, passion drives everything I do to a to leave this world a little better than I found it and these children the children are everything um, they didn't ask to be in this situation how do we fix it how do we make it better as a taxpayer, we've got to revamp a very, very broken system that Absolutely. enables people to stay on our need for social services. There'll always be a need for that. I know there's a lot of gray areas. Don't write me letters. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about the broken system. Home of Hope at Gwinnett Children's Shelter has developed a program that's designed to get people to independence, which saves everyone. First, those lovely children who won't know the living in their cars or extended stay hotels because mom was taught better and she passes that on to her children. Um, and then it saves us all as taxpayers by reducing the rate of recidivism for the need of our social services. Mm -hmm. So as a taxpayer, I'd rather fund me than the current broken, broken system that's out there. So yeah. that's another conversation that I like to say should involve some wine, I'm just saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And Dave, you're, you know, if you had to sum up what your vision is for P4 in a sentence, what would you say it is? I mean, if you, if you think, thought through it, I know you, you can feel it in your heart, but how would you express that in words? You know, it's, Maureen could probably, you know, understand this as well. You know, you're, you, want a, you want a cure. You want a cure for childhood cancer. No child should have to go through this. No family should have to go through this. 
No parent should have to go through this. No parent should see their child pass before them. And what we want to do is, you know, provide hope, faith, and for healing and a cure. That's all we want. And I don't know if we're if we're going to see it quickly or, or what have you, but we're going to keep fighting for one um, to avoid this and us having to have an organization like this to support these kids while they're going through treatments and ongoing. And so what we see as a vision is that we see growing to support as many families as we can, get the, the word out that, you know, childhood cancer is so, so important to our government as well. Just an FYI, only 4%. 4% of funding for cancer goes towards childhood cancer research. All right. That's, that, that's, wow. that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, that's something that parents have been fighting for years and they're not heard. Um, the government is, I think, making some new campaigns to put more money towards childhood re- uh, research. Um, some of the treatments that these kids are going through are from the seventies, still eighties. Um, nothing's changed and they're still going through it. That's why 60% of our children get this, their cancer returns or they have other elements in their life, um, you know, organ issues or other things that, that occur, elements. So our vision is to make a change. My son has always said, I wanna be a world changer. I wanna change the world. I wanna make a difference. And he's doing it. It takes little steps, right? Little at a time, but the more we do it, we're, we see the P4 Foundation supporting families throughout the country, growing as an organization. Of course, you know, that's a big vision. But just to make an impact, make an impact on a daily basis, that's our vision. Somehow impacting a family somehow every day. And that's something that I think the Conklins are about too. You guys impact us all the time. And, I, and again, I know we're getting towards the end, but I, I want to kudos to you and your family and your children and your parents. You guys are some of the most giving people. Pinnacle signs, you guys, anytime I've asked for anything, you've had it done for me. But most importantly, I enjoy coming to see you. I enjoy seeing, you know, Teresa. Not so much Don, but I have to deal with him. I got to see him. But, but overall, I mean, you guys are always speaking faith too. And I mean, every time I see Don, you know, he's always talking about the men's club or something to give back. And you know, this guy's busy, crazy, but he's always mm-hmm. doing other things. He's always giving back. He's always doing more. And he's always figuring, how can I do more for you? And Don, I love you for that, and, and thank you for that. And Teresa, you're the same way. But please, don't more and more people get run businesses like you. If you run your business from your heart, you're going to be successful. Yes. And that's what you guys do. And that's why I believe you have been successful and continue to do what you do because we love what you're doing in the community. We love the work you do, but most importantly, we love being with you and your family and your boys are incredible. I love seeing them when I come in as well. Mm -hmm. We second that at Home of Hope. I mean, you guys have been there front and center since the beginning. And we go back to when I started the co-op when we first met the new building there. when we first went into business too. Yeah, the first year. So appreciate and love you both dearly. Thank you. And And it's amazing. You know, we started this business nine years nine years ago well i think about that nine years ago and you know it was only because of the fact that we didn't want to work for corporate america anymore and because of a challenge from Teresa. she goes if you really think you're that good then go start a business little did i know the journey nine years ago would end us where we're at today but we also changed a lot of lives by the people that we hire you know we have a lot of people we've actually hired people during this current pandemic because we found good people and we don't have all the work, but we'll find the work for them. You know, we, we like to say that we've created 15 good paying jobs in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, uh, Gwinnett community at this point in time. And it's one of those things that, you know, we, we created jobs. These jobs weren't there before, you know, our company is pretty much that. 
And so we continue to try to drive that, make the environment right for our people, make our people happy. You know, because at, at one point in time, I t I, I've told people this before, if you go to a job and you're miserable coming into a job, the odds are that you're going to go home being miserable and you're going to affect your family. Now, we're not Disneyland or Disney World, although we do have a couple of things at the office that we like to do to make fun and things like that. But we just try to treat people right and give them a good paying wage so that they can go ahead and, and contribute to the community themselves. And that's kind of what we're all about as well. You want to add? No, not to that. You pretty much summed that up. But what I thought was interesting as you all were talking is that I couldn't see a connection between both of your organizations. But what's really kind of cool is as we were talking, I realized you both started with a focus on children, but you mm -hmm. also expanded that to the families, which is just as important. And I really like that and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Also, one other thing, Maureen, so you know, I actually, um, it's funny, I've been looking lately, I went through our inventory of our event shirts and blankets and stuff that we have, and we're trying to look for an organization we can donate them to. and. Wow, now we got a place we can give them to. Well, there you go. We're right in Buford. I'm, yeah, I'm going to call you on my way back from this. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to call Great. you. Great. <laughs> I look forward to it. Well, thank you guys for joining us, uh, so much for joining us on Reaching the Summit, presented by Pinnacle Custom Signs. Get a more prominent look with your business signage. Visit us on our website at Pinnacle Custom Signs or on any of our social media channels to see how we can help your business reach the summit. Remember that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Reaching the Summit. You can also find us on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I, for Don Conklin, I'm Teresa Conklin, and you've been listening to Bus Reaching the Summit on Business Radio X, and I'd really like to thank both Maureen and Dave for coming today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me as well.